Thank you for joining us this morning. If you are here for the first time during our Back to Basics series, you're in for a treat. We have been looking at, at Back to Basics principles for successful living, and this is our fifth week looking at the Ten Commandments, ten principles that God has given us, kind of as the foundation for successful living. You might say that, hey, but wait, didn't Jesus sum that up as love God and love people? Yeah, he did. But who knows that if you want to know more, if you want to grow more, you have to get past the headings. Is that true? All right, so we're getting past the headings. We're getting into the meat of the thing, okay. So this is our fifth week. We've, um, we've spoken about putting God first. We've spoken about dealing with the things that in our lives that we have given the place of God, um, getting rid of those things. We have spoken around carrying his name with honor. Um, now these first three principles look at our relationship with God. Love God. All right. Then last week, we looked at an interesting one. And we called it pray and play. And when we honor the Sabbath, when we, when we take a day and we prioritize it and we give it to God and, and we pray, we worship him and we play with our family, we build relationship with our family. What are we doing? We're building relationship vertically. We're building relationship horizontally. And things work better. This, this fourth commandment, this fourth principle is kind of the glue that keeps society going better, isn't it? Now this week, we're doing a tough one. Uh, and I'll tell you now why it is a tough one. But it is, good morning, it is, um, it's one of those principles that connects us or that God has placed as a foundation for our relationships with others. This is the first one that says, okay, you're deal you've dealt well with your relationship with God. We've looked at that. So you're loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, how do you love people the way you love yourself? And so the first place God's, God goes, the first place God starts here is he says, family. Exodus 20 and verse 12 says this, honor your father and mother. Then you will, live, you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother. Don't put up your hands. This is a tough one, isn't it? Because we haven't had, we haven't all had very honorable parents, have we? Some of our parents have been quite interesting. And, and how about, how about, a lot of people saying that, yeah, but my kids don't honor me. Have you been an interesting parent? Is the next question, I guess. And this morning, we get to, to look at this and, and, and see, you know, maybe we get a pass. Maybe we get a free pass. Maybe we get to skip on this one. I doubt it, but maybe, you know. But the point here is honor parents and honor authority. That is what God is trying to tell us to do here. Now, I grew up with Emnet Oopkaiktait. Anybody else in that category? Okay, one or two of you, thank you. Um, you will remember that way back when, um, Emnet had this thing called Oopkaiktait, and Thursday evenings at 6.30 was my favorite show in the world. 
The Simpsons. And my parents kind of allowed me to watch. They never watched it. They allowed me to watch it because it was a cartoon. That cartoon is not for kids. Just saying, okay? I probably shouldn't watch it today either. It's, it's dangerous. But that was, that was my introduction into how some things work, okay? That was my introduction, these yellow cartoon characters, into, hey, form, a, form of worldview. Um, be conditioned in a certain way, all right? And my thinking was conditioned in a certain way. How was it conditioned? Well, Homer was the father in this family, um, and he was a terrible role model, okay? Homer was lazy, he was dumb, he was selfish, and his stomach was his God. And look at TV shows for the rest of the time from there. Kind of points to that, okay? Now, if we were looking for a bit of authority in The Simpsons, we got Reverend Timothy Lovejoy. All right, I know I can see the look of concern in your faces. Why do I know all the Simpsons characters? I watched a lot of the Simpsons. Okay, I'm just I I didn't know Jesus yet. I didn't have a Bible yet. Literally, I didn't. All right, but Reverend Timothy Lovejoy literally in one of the episodes describes describes himself as the priest who didn't care. All right, that's not a the church shouldn't be that way, should it? All right. Then we had the wonderful Ned Flanders, who was the self-righteous Christian. And he was so scared of sinning that he drove everybody absolutely mad. Okay? Then we had the police who were incompetent, they were irresponsible, they were lazy, they were gluttonous. They were always standing around with a gun in the one hand and a donut in the other. All right? We had the mayor, Mayor Quimby, who was absolutely corrupt. We had Principal Skinner's, Skinner, who, um, who was this old military man and loved everything in a certain way, but he only took orders from his mom. Um, so there's a little bit of a breakdown there. All right? And then last but not least in, in this explanation, we had Mr. Burns. Now, Mr. Burns was the, the local millionaire, billionaire, that everybody kind of just tolerated because he had money. Everybody, you know, he was a terrible man. Nobody liked him, but, you know, he had money. So if we're nice to him, maybe, maybe we score in the end. So no wonder a young man, Bart Simpson, struggled at life. All right? He needed some role models in his life, as did I at that stage. Um, these weren't the role models that I needed. I'll be very, very honest with you. But although it's just a cartoon show, this simple parody of society was joking around with some real issues, okay? And it got me, I can probably only just speak for myself, but got me angry and disgruntled at my parents. It got me angry and disgruntled at self-righteous Christians and, and at the broken school system and at the policing and at the government, And my discontentment, I thought, was licensed to rebel. The question is, is our discontentment licensed to rebel? I was hoping for a big no from the audience, but I thank you. Somebody, there's one, (laughs) preaching to the converted. All right, no, not for a second. Why? I just spoke about role models. Who's our role model as the church, as Christians? It's Christ. And we see him come to earth. We read through the gospel, through the gospels, that he honored his parents. 
He paid his taxes. He submitted to the authorities who arrested him. In fact, he honored Pilate, who, who gave him a death sentence when he knew that Jesus was innocent. Why did he submit to all this? Why did he honor all these people? Because number one, he honored his father in heaven. That's where it started. Philippians 2 and verses 5 to 8, we read the following. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Uh, other translations, it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset that Christ did. What is that mindset? What is that attitude? It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He honored his father. And that honoring of his father led to honoring in all areas of life. Now, is all authority perfect? No, not for a second. Um, actually, I don't think any authority is perfect. Uh, I don't know if any authority will ever live up to the standards that we set. Because <clears throat> I have some high standards that I need you you know, to make, because it's you, it's not me. You know, when, when it comes to me, those standards don't count, do they? You know, I get grace, you get justice. There, there's the difference. All right, we're all in a place where, for the most part, we have to honor the position and not necessarily the dishonorable person. God has put parents in a place where, man, our parents mess up. And we honor the position. We, we don't necessarily honor the dishonorable behavior. We still love them. We still care for them. But we don't always do what they say. Why? Because, well, what they say isn't right. Maybe then you have a pass. But only then you have a pass. For the rest, you have to honor them. Why? Because they're your parents. Why do we have to honor authority? Well, let's continue. Ephesians 6 and verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for it is the right thing to do. Now, it's easy for us to stand here and say that that is the principle. You better do that. Let me give you some of my story. My mom fell pregnant well out of wedlock. You know, that's a very Christian word to use. All right, she wasn't married. All right, mistake number one. Actually, mistake number many, but, uh, you know, my life started there. So mistake number one for Vanna, okay. My dad <clears throat> was an alcoholic. When I was four years old, my, my mom and my dad got divorced. And I can keep going with the stories. In fact, I can tell you some stories that will get the, the, show, the, the social worker running to my defense, running to my rescue. And um, my, both my parents passed away about seven years ago, six, seven years ago. 
So does that mean that I am, uh, I'm free of this principle? I'm free of this commandment. I don't need to honor them anymore because they're dead. Everybody's looking at me very scared right now. No, not for a second. I get to honor their, mer- their, their memory. How do I honor their memory? By telling you the story of my mom and dad saying yes to Jesus. And that starting our little family changing around. Principles being laid in my life that I never had before. And in fact, if they didn't say yes to Jesus, if they didn't honor God as their father, as their savior, as their king, I would not be here today. Most probably, I don't know if I'd be in the ministry today. So they set off something. How? By saying yes to Jesus. And that's how I honor my parents. I can tell you all the, all the horrible horror stories. Or I can go, that doesn't matter. Because that doesn't honor. What honors is the good decisions they made. All right. Romans 13 and verse 1 says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Saying that if we don't honor authority, we're literally fighting against ourselves. Now, it's a command and not really a suggestion. Uh, It's not like if you feel like it, do this. It is do this period, because you honor God when you honor the authorities that he's placed over you. Now, the question is this, who's received a message? Let's say, let's, let's make it not too long. Let's say two weeks. In the last two weeks, who's received a message, seen something on social media that bemoans the inadequacies of government, that shows a person in a uniform doing things that aren't very uniformal? And you went, ha, 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 I'm going to send this to the world. And it's so funny in the moment. But is it? Because what are you doing? Are you honoring the position? Are you honoring the, the, the authority that God has placed over you? Yes, the conduct isn't very honorable. But who's responsible? We are for honoring that position, honoring what God has placed over us. Are we submitting? Are we honoring? Now, submission and and, and, and honoring, I wish I could tell you that it's a warm, fuzzy feeling. I really do. In fact, I want to say, you're not submitting, you're not honoring, unless it goes inside. The most part, it's hard. For the most part, it's like, this is not comfortable. So parents, just like as a sidebar, make it easy for your children to honor you. All right? Back to us. It's tough. But it doesn't take away our responsibility. In Western culture, we see this a lot more than than the Eastern cultures and the African cultures. We see that youth is celebrated. And older people are tolerated. People are sent off to old age homes, or, or they've actually they've, they've rebranded. It's now retirement villages, all right? But the youth is celebrated. What's, what's all the advertising today aimed at? 
young folk. Over and over and over again, people with wisdom and experience are pushed aside. Don't stand in the way of progress is the excuse. That's dangerous. All right? It really, really is. Because we, we, are, we are cultivating a culture that, um, that has literally the knowledge of the world at its fingertips. You can Google anything and you'll have several answers. One of them should be right. All right? But we, we have the information of the world at our fingertips. But yet we are struggling to make good decisions. Why? Because we're saying to wisdom and experience, stand on side, you're in the way. I'm not saying to take all the advice. I'm saying hear the advice and apply what you need. A great example of this is a, is a king called Rehoboam. Rehoboam's father was King Solomon. King Solomon passed away and at the age of 41, Rehoboam becomes king. In the first days of his reign, the people come to him and they say, Rehoboam, your father placed heavy taxes on us. We were building the temple. We were building a palace for his thousand wives. Um, it was tough. You know, the temple took seven years. Um, the, the palace took 13 years. And in all of this, um, there was like a national service implemented where instead of going to war, we, we went to labor and, and we worked at the palace. We built the palace. We built the temple. Um, and there was these heavy taxes to build these two places. Can you help us out? Can you lighten our load? Rehoboam says, give me three days and I'll come back with an answer. He does a smart thing. He goes to his father's advisors. He says, what will you guys, I've had this request, what will you guys have me do? And so they said to him, lighten the load. The people will love you. You will be a, become a king of the people and you'll have their hearts. Go ahead and lighten the load. Literally says this, Rehoboam disobeyed them. He didn't listen to them. He walks to his friends, to his new set of advisors. And he says to them, guys, what will you have me do? He's, and they say, no, 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 no. No, you can't lighten the load. Show them who's boss. Show them who's in control. In fact, make it a hundred times tougher. What does Rehoboam do? He goes back, takes the advice of his friends, and he says, this is kind of hard to explain, but he says, my pinky will be as thick as my father's waist. His worst will be my least. You have no idea what's waiting on you. You are going to suffer under me as king. You will honor me because I have put it on you. And he wants to lord it over them. And in one decision, Rehoboam goes from a unified Israel to a split kingdom. And he loses 10 of the 12 tribes in one decision. And from there, we have a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Why? Because he decided not to go with the wisdom that he was given. He took the wrong advice. And in one decision, he loses all that. What am I trying to say is that young and old, youth and wisdom works best together. If you're working hand in hand, man, then the next generation 
can stand on the shoulders of the previous generation and reach heights that has never been seen before. But if we have this pride of, I can do it myself, I will show you, I know so much more, then we get ourselves into some serious, serious trouble. But this honor and this humility takes a mutual submission. And where do we learn this? Well, in a controlled environment. What is this controlled environment called? Family. So that's why principle number five is honor your father and your mother. Practically, there's three stages of life, really, that we can honor our parents or that we will be in, that we will honor our parents. The first one is as a child. The second one as a teen or a young adult. And the third one will be as an adult. Now, firstly, what we're going to look at as children... Children need to learn to respond and relate to authority. They need to learn to respond and relate to authority. Who knows that it doesn't come naturally? All right? Rebellion seems to come naturally. Responding well to authority, not so much. Okay? Now, who teaches children? And if you shout teachers, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> because it's not teachers first. It's mom and dad first. It's mom and dad's responsibility to teach children. It's the parent's responsibility to teach children. Okay? And if the parents don't do that, all they are raising is some teacher's headache, some police officer's frustration. And in my case, I'm raising a young boy. I'm probably raising some girl's heartache. It's true, and I am responsible. I teach him, all right? Because there's a thinking out there that nobody will tell me what to do, okay? At school, your teachers won't tell you what to do, and at work, your manager won't tell you to do what to do, and in traffic, you know, maybe the, the traffic police won't tell you what to do, and, and when it comes to your salary, maybe SARS won't tell you what to do, but you can go tell your sorry story to your prison inmate, because that's where you're going to end up. It's that simple. It, I know that's a quick spiral, but it's a spiral, isn't it? That's where it ends. Romans 13 and verse 2 says, So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against God, what God has instituted, and they will be punished. It doesn't give exemption to Christians. It says if you rebel, you're going to get punished. It's the way it is, okay? But the question here is always, what if it's immoral? What if it's illegal? Well, then, for once we have exemption, if it's immoral or illegal, run away. Don't get sucked into that, all right? You do not need to com comply when it compromises your values, all right? So know your values, but this goes back to the responsibility of the parents because who instills values? Parents instill values when they teach their children to relate well to authority, to respond well to authority. I, with my son, one of the first things that I've tried to teach him is to greet people. Simple little thing, isn't it? And I saw a little eight-month-old being pushed in a pram down a little run, like, 
jogging path. And literally, he couldn't even speak properly yet. His hello sounded like hello. And this little eight-month-old child, as we pushed him down this little walkway, stopped every jogger as he said hello. People would stop, greet him, and continue on their run. 80 to 90% of the people stopped, greeted a little eight-month-old, and continued their run. Why? Because of respect and honor. And an eight-month-old, it's not because my child is perfect, it's because his mom and dad said hello. You know, simple thing, costs you nothing. What does it buy you? What does it give you? Gives you relational currency. When you stop and you say a hello, when you honor the, just the existence of a person by saying, hi, how are you? How is your day? All right? Now, I try to teach him to do the right thing, whether he feels like it or whether he doesn't feel like it. This is usually, you know, because then he'll try to do it like this. You know? I'm like, don't worry, your, your, your feelings will catch up eventually. And it's the truth, because we need to do the right thing whether we feel like it or not. Our feelings will catch up with us later. We don't get to be driven by our feelings. All right? But my question to me is, am I raising somebody's blessing or am I raising somebody's nightmare? As a husband, as a father, as a co-worker, as a community builder, will he be a consumer or will he be a contributor? I get to lay that foundation as a parent. We get to lay those foundations as parents. All right. So secondly, looks at youth, young adults, teens. All right. Now, here the, the thing is, teaching young people or young people to learn that it's obedience with a good attitude. All right. Who knows that that is nice. That's a nice thing to have as a teenager. Obedience with a good attitude, not obedience with a slamming door, obedience with a like risen fist. It's like, I'm doing it, but there's somebody inside of me that's standing up. You know, the outside is complying, but the inside is in rebellion. It's a dangerous place for us to be, isn't it? And everybody that was a teenager ever is going, yeah, that was me at some stage. But we read about Jesus in Luke 2. Jesus, um, his parents went to the Passover in Jerusalem at, to the temple every year. And it was quite a travel. It was probably like a week-long travel that they had to go through. So they packed up the whole family and everybody went to the temple, had the Passover, Everybody turned around, came back. On this particular occasion, Jesus was about 12 years old, in that very teenage stage, isn't it? And his parents, they, they traveled back. And at the end of day one of traveling back, they realized, wait, 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 wait. Where's Jesus? All right. Now, I have some questions around that. You know, you get given the Messiah. Surely you should keep an eye on him. Most of the day, you know, I'm just saying, especially at 12 years old. But anyway, parents, clearly Jesus' parents was kind of like us because we can lose things between here and there, all right? But they do. They've lost Jesus. They don't know where he is. He isn't with the family. He isn't with the travel party. Where is he? So they return to Jerusalem. And I love how Luke says it. He says, after three days, huh? who's ever lost their kid for three days? 
All right. After three days, they find Jesus sitting with the rabbis, having a chat, talking through the Bible, well, through the Old Testament, asking questions. And, and these people, these authorities, these leaders are amazed that Jesus is inside. And, um, and his mom and dad gets there and they're like, Jesus, how could you do this to us? We lost you. And Jesus says, well, didn't you know that I should be about my father's business? I should be in my father's house? Jesus is saying, oh, you know, I know. I know that God is my father. And they say, well, we're going home. And what does Jesus do? He's like, I'm the son of God. I do not need to go with you. You be on your way, woman and man. No. No, no, no. It doesn't say that. It says in Luke 2, verse 51 and 52. Then... He went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. Why did Jesus grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and everyone? Because he honored his father and his mother. The creator of the world says, I'll I'll obey the people that lost me for three days. All right. This three days thing has, you know, kind of a, a ripple effect in Jesus' life, doesn't it? There's a lot of threes in his life. What am I saying? We don't obey because authority is perfect. We obey because they're our parents. We obey because they are the authorities that God has placed over us. Now, I know that children struggle when they see their heroes, because when, when they're small, they, they see mom and dad as their heroes, don't they? And, and they struggle when they realize that their, their heroes has some weaknesses, all right? When, they, when, when their superheroes start showing signs of humanity, all right? The thing is, we get stuck on the weakness, and that's dangerous. We, get, we start focusing on the weakness, and, and we live a life, well, they didn't, so I won't, or they shouldn't, so I won't, and we forget that it's not their responsibility, the responsibility is ours. Now, I've told you about the brilliant way that I'm raising my son. <laughs> okay, some people had a laugh with me, but I do realize this, that I can lay the best foundation ever. You know, this is a prayer. Lord, help me to lay the best foundation ever. But one day, that little person is going to have to make his own decisions. May he make decisions of obedience. Why? Because his parents were perfect? No. No, because he knows who he is and he knows his responsibility is to honor. All right. I had a... I have to tell you about <clears throat> Meneer van Tonder. Um, he, there's something that he did to us in Afrikaans that rhymed with his, um, with his surname. You know, it looked like this. Uh, he was the guy that I got the most hidings from in high school. And he didn't, he, let me tell you about the abuse that I suffered as a child. Uh, he didn't hit us with anything. He found a five more brazing rod. And he whacked our backsides with that thing over and over and over again. And he'd tell us about the potential we have. And then he'd whack the nonsense out of us. 
And I was like, that doesn't make sense. But over and over and over again, it, when we had trouble as friends, who did we go to? Meneer van Tonder. If, if life started falling apart, who did we go to? Meneer van Tonder. When we didn't know what the answer was, who did we go to? Meneer van Tonder. Why? Because he loved us enough to show us how. All right. It was tough, man. I got a lot of hidings from that dude. But I knew that when certain stuff hit the fan, this is the person I can go to. This is the person who will tell me the truth, not sugarcoated, but give it to me the way I need to hear it. You see, if respect was reserved for the perfect, nobody would get it. So get that idea out of your mind. The last way, the last stage is as an adult, how do we honor our parents as adults? The word here is appreciation. Proverbs 23 verse 22 says, when your mother is old, show her appreciation. All right. When your mother is old, show her appreciation. What does that mean? It means make the effort. Simply make the effort. All right. What does making an effort communicate? It says, I see you and you matter to me. All right. I see you and you matter to me. That means you call them. That means you invite them to that difficult lunch. You listen to the stories of the old age home. Here's one. You help with technology, with patience. And the slight murmur says everybody's had an experience in that area. Because that's how we honor we listen, we just listen, and we just show honor. Are they always right? No. Do I have to take all the advice? No. You're responsible for what you like implement in your life, but does it cost you anything to go, what's your take on this? No. And is there a chance that you might learn something about yourself, about life, about the future? When you treat that person with honor and respect, yes, definitely. The potential is great that you might learn and do better because of it. So that's honor. I, um, I want to tell you a quick, well, I'm going to try to make it a quick story. There's a man called Victor E. Frankel, lived before and through and after the Second World War. Now, if you've, who's heard of Stephen Covey? No, no. Yes, who's heard of Stephen Covey? All right, Seven Habits of Effective People. All right, who's heard of Tony Robbins? All right, two of the greatest motivational speakers in the world. Their, their works and what they do and their lives touch millions upon millions, helping them to be motivated for life, to find their meaning in life, okay? Their ideas comes from a man called Victor E. Frankel. Now, Mr. Frankel was born in 1903, uh, 1905, sorry, in Austria, and he quickly grew um, into a love for neurology and psychology. And he becomes an influential force in these fields, in the academic community, and, and, and in universities and all around. And in 
1938, he is a lecturer in an Austrian university. All right. He becomes a he becomes a psychologist, and he's one of the first people to arrange sit-downs where people actually get help in groups. All right. So he starts support groups, pretty much. From there, 1938 rolls around, and Austria gets invaded by the Nazis and taken over by the Nazis. So during this time. He gets a tenure at, um, let me get this right, at Rothschild's University. And at Rothschild's University, he gets to deal with the mentally ill daily. And the Nazis had a policy that if somebody was mentally ill and they were a Jew, they are euthanized. This is the logic. We don't take care of the mentally ill Jew, we euthanize them. So what does Mr. Fra well, Dr. Frankel do? He gives them false diagnoses, all right? Over and over again, saves lives. Because he's like, these people can get better. But Nazi Germany has done some things to them. So I'm gonna thought this, pro like thought this process. So he keeps doing that. His work gets internationally recognized and he gets um, an immigrant's visa to go to America, to go live in America. Now, this is 1938, right before the war, uh, between 1938 and 1940, right before the war starts. And he sees it as a great opportunity. He can pack up and go to America. He won't be affected by this war that's happening on his front door. And as he's excited about the prospects of this, he walks past um, a little church that was bombed and one of the walls survived. And so as he looks into this ruin, he sees that the mural on this wall survived as well. And the inscription at the bottom was, honor your father and your mother. And it stops him in his tracks. Because he realizes for him to honor his father and his mother means not running away from where he is today. It means staying. Frankel turns around. And he goes home and he tries to take care of his father and his mother. He gets married in this time. Um, right after he gets married, him and his whole family get shipped off to a Jewish ghetto uh, outside of Prague. Um, not long after that, I think they were there for about six months and his father passed away. Not long after that, um, his mother, oh, he first the, him and his wife are forced to abort their, their first child by Nazis in the, in the, in the Jewish ghetto. Then from there, um, he, his wife and his mother get shipped off to Auschwitz. He also goes with, but when they get there, he's taken to another work camp. His mother passes away within days when she was taken to a gas chamber. His wife is shipped off to another camp where she is murdered. And you're like, wow, that's a, that's a fun story. Because of his time that he had in the work camps, this idea that if you have a reason to live, if you have a why to hold on to, you can get through any situation gets proved to him over and over and over again as he, as he lives this malnourished life, as he works 
literally chopping rocks, bare feet in the snow. He sees some people survive and some people don't. The people who survive had a reason to live. They were holding on to a truth. Those who didn't were holding on to some false piece of hope. And he writes this down. And he writes a little book. And this little book that I just forgot the name of (laughs) is Man's Search for Meaning. Thank you, Ramon. This little book is published in 1946. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. He got liberated by the Americans in 1945. And in 1946, he wrote this little book with all his findings. And he is the father of the modern-day motivational principles. Why? Because he honored his father and his mother. He could have gone to America, and he would have never had the proof within days of what he was believing. Or he could honor his father and his mother, and God could shape his life. It's a tough story. But the truth is, most of us live tough stories. And, and, and we get so caught up in honor your father and your mother so that it may go well with you, so that you may have this long and prosperous life. And we, look us, we stare ourselves blind into a long and prosperous life and the, everything that comes with it, and we forget the honoring of the authority. And we forget the honoring of our fathers and mothers. So today... I want to ask you, as the band comes back up, if you know that you have not been honoring your father and mother, if you know that you can do a better job, and if, like me, you think that every opportunity you have, you need to say, I'm sorry, Lord, for those days that I didn't. I'm sorry, Lord, for for thinking in a certain way about my parents, for thinking in a certain way about authority, that you have placed over me. And Lord, it's not about the long life. And it's not about the wonderful blessings, but it's about first honoring my Father in heaven because he has given me a command. And if I do that, man, then I can raise my kids to do that. And then we'll see generations upon generations upon generations who can do that. Why? Because I took responsibility. So this morning, if you feel that you need to take responsibility and firstly say, Lord, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Will you stand with me just for a moment that we can pray together? Thank you so much. Thank you for your honesty. The prayer is simply going to be, Lord, forgive me. And Lord, give me the wisdom to be able to honor in the future. And all you need to do is agree at the end. Say, Amen. We thank you, Lord, that we can be here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word, Lord, and these principles, Father, that you are settling in our hearts so that we may live lives successful in your eyes, Father. Lord, as as we know that we have messed up in this area over and over again, Father, our first request, Lord, is that you will forgive us.
Lord, will you wash us in your blood? Lord, may your forgiveness sink into us that we don't live with the guilt of what we didn't do, Father God. But we live with the opportunity of what lies before us, Father. Lord, that guilt is washed away. And Lord, that opportunity is put in our hand that we get to honor you and that we get to honor our parents and that we get to honor authority because it feels nice, no, because that is what you ask of us, Father God. Lord, today, we thank you for your forgiveness. And Lord, secondly, we ask, will you help us to be smart in honoring our parents, in honoring authority, in honoring those you have placed over us, Father God? Lord, we want to see our lives go your direction. Lord, we want to see ourselves live successful, principled lives, Father God. And Lord, for that, we ask that you will give us insight, you will give us know-how. You will help us to integrate young and old. You'll integrate, you'll help us to integrate youth and wisdom, experience and inexperience, Father God. Lord, that we might be able to stand on the shoulders of those who came before us and that the next generation can stand on our shoulders, Father God, and reach heights that we would have never been able to reach by ourselves. Father, help us to have the humility to honor our parents, to honor authority in everything that we do. We pray all of this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. There's, um, there's good coffee. There's um, the unity ride happening. Everything's going to start off here at 11. It gives us about half an hour. You, can, you feel free to join us for that. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your attention. Have a wonderful Sunday. Bye-bye.